refused to accept an inevitable situation with which I was confronted. I played the fool and railed against it, and rebelled. I turned my nights into hells of insomnia. I brought upon myself everything I didn't want. Finally, after a year of self-torture, I had to accept what I knew from the outset I couldn't possibly alter. I should have cried out years ago with old Walt Whitman. Oh, to confront night, storms, hunger, ridicule, accident, rebuffs as the trees and animals do. I spent 12 years working with cattle, yet I never saw a Jersey cow running at temperature because the pasture was burning up from a lack of rain, or because it was late and cold, or because her boyfriend was paying too much attention to another hyper. The animals confront night, storms, and hunger calmly, so they never have nervous breakdowns or stomach ulcers, and they never go insane. Am I advocating that we simply bow down to all the adversities that come our way? Not by a long shot. That is mere fatalism. As long as there is a chance that we can save the situation, let's fight. But when common sense tells us that we are up against something that is so and cannot be otherwise, then, in the name of our sanity, let's not look before and after and pine for what is not. The late Dean Hawks of Columbia University told me that he had taken a mother goose rhyme as one of his mottos. For every ailment under the sun, there is a remedy or there is none. If there be one, try to find it. If there be none, never mind it. While writing this book, I interviewed a number of the leading business executives of America and I was impressed by the fact that they cooperated with the inevitable and led life singularly free from worry. If they hadn't done that, they would have cracked under a string. Here are a few examples of what I mean. JC Penney, founder of the nationwide chain of many stores, said to me, I wouldn't worry if I lost every dollar I have because I don't see what is to be gained by worrying. I do the best job I possibly can and leave the results in the laps of the gods. Henry Ford told me much the same thing. When I can't handle events, he said, I let them handle themselves. When I asked Katie Keller, the president of the Chrysler Corporation, how he kept from worrying, he replied, When I am up against a tough situation, if I can do anything about it, I do it. If I can, I just forget it. I never worry about the future because I know no man living can possibly figure out what is going to happen in the future. There are so many forces that will affect that future. Nobody can tell what prompts those forces or understand them, so why worry about them? Katie Keller would be embarrassed if you told him he is a philosopher. He is just a good businessman, yet he has stumbled on the same philosophy that Epictetus taught in Rome 19 centuries ago. There is only one way to happiness. Epictetus taught the romance, and that is to cease worrying about things which are beyond the power of our will. Sarah Bernhardt, the divine Sarah, was an illustrious example of a woman who knew how to cooperate with the inevitable. For half a century, she had been the reigning queen of the theater on four continents, the best-loved actress on earth. Then, when she was 71 and broke, she had lost all her money. Her physician, Professor Pazzi of Paris, told her he would have to amputate her leg. While crossing the Atlantic, she had fallen on deck during a storm and injured her leg severely. The bitis developed. Her leg shrank. The pain became so intense 
that the doctor felt her leg had to be amputated. He was almost afraid to tell the stormy, tempestuous, divine Sarah what had to be done. He fully expected that the terrible news would set off an explosion of hysteria. But he was wrong. Sarah looked at him a moment and then said quietly, If it has to be, it has to be. It was fate. As she was being wheeled away to the operating room, her son stood weeping. She waved to him with a gay gesture and said cheerfully, Don't come away, I'll be right back. On the way to the operating room, she recited a scene from one of her plays. Someone asked her if she were doing this to cheer herself up. She said, No, to cheer up the doctors and nurses. It will be a strain on them. After recovering from the operation, Sarah Bernhardt went on touring the world and enchanting audiences for another seven years. When we stop fighting the inevitable, said Elsie McCormick in a Reader's Digest article, we release energy which enables us to create a richer life. No one living has enough emotion and vigor to fight the inevitable and, at the same time, enough left over to create a new life. Choose one or the other. You can either bend with the inevitable sleet storms of life, or you can resist them and break. I saw that happen on a farm I own in Missouri. I planted a score of trees at that farm. At first, they grew with astonishing rapidity. Then, a sleet storm encrusted each twig and branch with a heavy coating of ice. Instead of bowing gracefully to their burden, these trees proudly resisted and broke and split under the load and had to be destroyed. They hadn't learned the wisdom of the forests of the north. I have traveled hundreds of miles through the evergreen forests of Canada, yet I have never seen a spruce or a pine broken by sleet or ice. These evergreen forests know how to bend, know how to bow down their branches, how to cooperate with the inevitable.